Wednesday night, Oklahoma City. We took one week off for weather. Hope everyone is safe. But the road to OKC is back. Ryan Chapman alongside Nicole Mendez. Got Maddie Goldfish keeping us there, making us sound good. Nicole, long time no see. And apologies in advance that you have to deal with me for an hour this week when you didn't have to do that last week. I'm sure that was very nice for you. It was. It was. I was a little worried about making the trek during, oh, I don't know, a tornado driving up the freeway with me. But um, glad I glad I got to avoid that. Glad we all got to avoid that. Glad we all got to avoid that. But the road to OKC. I really was panicking. I won't it, lie. It I was, was in my hallway. Well, for good reason. I, You know, you would think after seven years of living in Oklahoma, I would know by now, like, what to do in case a tornado hits. But it just, it never hits Norman. And I was staying in my house and the sirens kept going off and I could hear them. And I started panicking a little bit and I Googled what to do if a tornado comes. And I saw this thing. I'm really curious. You guys let me know if uh, this is a real thing. But I saw this thing where it was like, grab a blanket, like get to the middle part of the house, da, da, da. But I saw this thing where it was like, grab a blanket and like put it over you. And I don't. Usually they go mattress. My, Usually they go mattress. No, it specifically said a blanket. So I don't know if it was like, if glass shatters, yeah, like it'll break it. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I had everything ready to go. Yeah. I've always so. sweatpants, long sleeve shirt, closed toe shoes for the, I imagine the debris stuff. Yeah. So that's always what I've been told. But I'm glad to be back. Glad that we're talking softball. We do have weather that affected... <laughs> The week, but it, it is just rain. It is just rain. So back to fire up the road to OKC here. Brought to you by Cates Associates and Resilient Softball. Uh, we've got a ton to get into across the whole show. Oklahoma headed to Waco this past weekend. Came up with a big sweep of the Baylor Bears. We'll dive into that. Nicole and I get to have a discussion on what I wrote about on Monday, which is Oklahoma, the runaway wagon in college softball. What is the formula for the Sooners stubbing their toe here as we get to the business end? And we'll close the show, as always, by looking around the country. We don't have to go very far to ask the simple question, why the hell can Oklahoma State not hit the softball? That will will be discussed uh, because it's a good team that just can't buy a hit over the past couple of weeks. But like I said, we'll circle back. Big weekend for the Sooners down in Waco. The only team that has beaten Oklahoma was those Baylor Bears, and there was some gasoline added to the fire. <laughs> so there were the two comments made. One, that Oklahoma sh- feels intimidated, which was laughable. The other one was, it looked like, I will not defend the intimidation question. That, <laughs> that was egregious. That was... I think that's honestly, in this day and age, I really do think that athletic departments need to put their athletes through media training. Yeah. I mean, they they say they do it, but really, in reality... What does your media training look like? Ours, I mean, I think it was also the style that Coach Gasso has. So she made it clear at the beginning of the season, whether it's an interview or not, hey, we, we take things seriously. You're not just representing yourself. You're representing OU softball. So whenever... You're on your social platforms. You have to know that. And is this something that represents OU softball well or not? And if it's not, you're you're not basically supposed to post a bit, post it, talk about it, things like that. And just kind of taking the higher road is something that she always talks about. I think that's something that's honestly 
the culture that OU sports kind of has. They're they're not the ones that kind of run their mouths a little bit. They're, They're kind of known to take the high road. So I think that's the culture. But, I mean, as far as media training went, we, we had our SID be like, hey, like maybe skirt around this topic whenever they go in. And then we go in and boom, there it is, you know. So it wasn't a ton of prep. There wasn't a lot of uh, practice or things like that. But you do get a lot of attention and a lot of media coverage being a softball player at OU versus maybe some other teams. They don't get as much media coverage or not as used to being in front of a camera and being in front of interviewers. But in this day and age, I mean, you put something on the internet, you put something out on social media, you do an interview, it's there. Anybody's going to find it. And there have been too many times this year already where a team has put their foot in their mouths, whether it's against Oklahoma or another team, where it's just like, man, if you didn't say this, maybe the game might have been a little bit closer. Maybe the game would have been a little bit more competitive. Maybe they wouldn't have had such a fire underneath them to make sure that they beat you. I just, I just think it's common sense and it's also a bad reflection on your gear university. Yeah, I, I mean, we've seen over the last two seasons plus. That was so long-winded. Do you say, no, it, it, it's good. <laughs> I to, can't tell I'm passionate. <laughs> yeah, let, let's just label the current season that's happening right now as a half season because we still got postseason. So over the past right. two and a half years, the best way to beat Oklahoma is to sneak up on Oklahoma and for Oklahoma to maybe not be as locked in or, or focused. You think of the big set-piece moments, OU Texas. What does OU do? They drum the Longhorns. Bedlam, the Cowgirls have gotten two games in two and a half years with the Bedlam series still to be played, but four games being played, only getting one game each year, OU shows up for those games, right? Uh, it was James Madison who may have been overlooked in 2021 uh, a little bit, which I'm not going to excuse who's game one of the Women's College World Series, but things like that, like Georgia, stuff like that. So let the sleeping dog lie is the best strategy coming in to anything like that. The intimidating comment, I will not excuse. I think that the pressure situation, being on the other side of that and being where I'm asking the questions, the fact that the coach skirted around it and both players had to ask it tells me that it was being directly asked to them who was the pressure on in the situation. And good on that Baylor media guy because he got what he wanted. He got the interaction he wanted. That's putting the players in a bad spot. Should the players be able to step around that and just basically not answer the question? Yes. Sure. But... That one was uh, more pointed than just stumbling into the well, intimidation that one's, thing. That's that's an easy the like. Coach, the coach okay, the ask right me answer. the ask me the question, Ryan. Okay, Nicole, I'm a player. You're Nicole, the media person. You're you're, you're a uh, Kansas Jayhawk, a resurgent program who I have dogged over and over again. Who pops up and beats <laughs> Texas? Nicole, is the pre- I bet I bet you ate you ate a little bit of humble pie there. I I I don't think I ate crow because that's too much to Jayhawk. But Nicole, you're you're coming into Norman this weekend. The Sooners right. are playing for a Big Twelve championship. You're Kansas. Is the pressure on you to spoil that party, or is the pressure on Oklahoma? I think both of us are preparing and trying to do our best. And what happens happens. I don't want to think about it as pressure. I just want to think about it going out and playing softball. And that's what the coach basically the coach Boom. basically said that it's that easy. Yeah, and that's what I Baylor. say by media training. You yeah. have to be able to know, give them an answer without giving them an answer to be able to do that. I mean, that that lit a fire. I know for a fact without even having to talk to any of them. Well, you saw it in, lights a fire. You saw it in some of the reaction of some of the defensive plays. Terry Jennings spiking softballs. Terry Jennings gets fired up. <laughs> 
Tiara Jennings Gronk spiking a softball after the play of Kinsey Hansen trucking someone at the play and then the throw back down to second. And that, that was rundown. huge. Like, you can tell that means that that is a player that is absolutely juiced. And t- I don't want it to seem like Tiara doesn't get excited, but she I've never seen her Gronk spike a softball. <laughs> I can think of very, very few times where she's gotten that excited. And, I mean, there it is. It's that emotion. It's that overwhelming component. And she's enjoying the moment. I think that's cool. I mean, I just think of that, her Gronk spiking the softball, being in lieu with playing at Texas a couple years ago and Sydney Romero coming in and she's fired up coming into the dugout. I mean, Sid always gets excited, but not like that, right? And so it's one of those few moments where you're just so excited and you're so amped up and it was such a great play and it was so overwhelming that you can't help it a little bit. And you come in and you celebrate with your teammates. Now, do I think that Oklahoma, they do a good job with what they say and what they do. And they just kind of, like I said, they kind of give an answer without giving an answer, not insulting anybody, just kind of taking it and just kind of going with it. Yeah. Do I think that I've seen a couple times where some of the players have, done some stuff recently where I'm like, hey, I don't ever see that from Oklahoma. I'm kind of shocked by that. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see... Does that come in like interactions on the base paths? What do you mean? Like like when those moments happen where it's like if you're on second or or there's a big play and you're in the field and you get somebody out. Like, Is, is that where that... Or yeah. is it like across... Because we... Eric Bailey from the Tulsa World a couple years ago did a really good story about like dugout chants. And when and when um, how they come about things like that and he I remember him asking Patty uh, about dugout chants and stuff like that and she's like well I'm cool with whatever's going on as long as it's not like being directed at like the other dugout like specifically you know like the stuff with the pitchers happens but not like you guys stay or stuff like that yeah and, and nothing- so there, she talked about a the line there so like we don't see like in a no. handshake line so when you say a couple things pop up is that I've just, I've just seen it a couple times where it's like defensive plays. Or where that exchange is being made where one team's coming on to defense, one team's going into offense, like they're coming on and off the field. I'll just see some stuff and I'm just like, or like a big time play. And I, I and that, again, this is my personal preference and maybe old school OU softball. I don't know. You're old now. I'm That's, old now, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I can Welcome relate. I remember playing in Lauren Chamberlain come in and be like, coach used to be a lot harder. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's super tough on us. And then now I'm like, oh, yeah, coach used to totally be harder. So I guess that means I'm old. I guess exactly that's the right of passage. That's exactly what it means. But to me, just do your business. Celebrate with your teammates. Like, absolutely show a ton of passion. I love that. I'm here for the Gronk spikes. Those can stay. Uh, totally, because you're excited about it. And then you're celebrating with your teammates. But the moment you direct that towards the other team or a player on the other team, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I just don't think it's necessary. I don't care what they do, really. Like, just kind of show them by your actions. Like, shut them out, you know? So. Well, and that's exactly what Oklahoma did this past weekend. Another conference shutout. You had the conference shutout against a really explosive, as far as home runs go, Texas Tech lineup. Three-game shutout against Baylor. On Friday, the Sooners came out, and the bats really got going. Saturday, that doubleheader got moved up in game one. It was a couple of key moments. You had um, the misplayed ball in left field that was probably going to be a hit, but not necessarily a triple for Kinsey Hansen that helped 
Uh, hey, her first. There. Her yeah, first. Motoring, She'll take it. Motoring, as, as, the, as the expert on triples here at the table, uh, <laughs> what'd you give a, just a quick grade on Hanson's triple? Getting around the bases, good? You know, just a nice tight angle around the base pass. I think it was a stand-up triple, too. It, it was great. She, she was very efficient. She, she knew what she wanted. She saw it. She went after it. I loved it. We've seen <laughs> Kinsey Hanson play right field this year. We've seen Kinsey Hanson log a stand-up triple. And we saw her decapitate a Baylor bear. Oh, my gosh. Decapitate a Baylor bear at home. But okay. Before we get onto that real quick, um, that first game Saturday you had, that yeah. triple by Hanson. You had Sydney Sanders, who again had a home run. That means she had a home run on Friday, a home run on Saturday, and one two Saturdays ago against Louisville. So Sydney Sanders, someone who hit 21, yeah, 21 home runs her freshman year at Arizona State has had a little bit of struggle living back up to that, but in the past two weekends, three home runs, really productive at bats. Her coming on could be huge for the bottom of the lineup, not just being efficient and turning it over, but suddenly now, once again, Oklahoma's in a spot where one through eight, they've got big-time power, and Riley Boone can if she wants to, but she's just as likely to lay down a bunt and get a single that way. Riley Boone's just going to get on. She's just gonna be on base. Yeah, that's just what she. That's what she's that she nuisance that you can't you can't get out. If Riley Boone was a baseball player, the the Oakland A's would be sitting there going, "She gets on base. Yeah. She gets on <laughs> she base. She gets on base." So, a lot to pick through. But for you, what was the most impressive thing you saw from Oklahoma this weekend? Was it was it the pitching shutting out another conference foe? You mean besides Kenzie Hansen being akin to a brick wall? That that too. That that also qualifies. <laughs> I whenever I saw that play, I was like, I I have stood next to Kenzie Hansen and she is every bit as big as she looks on TV. And I've seen her trap muscles. We once had a competition of who had the biggest traps on That's the not team. Much of a competition, no and offense. I I mean, like her and Lindsay Elam, I I was like, oh, this is gonna be nope. Kenzie Hansen, her traps just. They, they just popped out. I was like, what are you, the Hulk? Like, this is awesome. I would not want to have to slide through her at all. Whenever I saw the runner going straight in, I was like, oh, she's going to go nowhere. Kenzie Hansen is a brick wall. That was honestly, to me, just kind of a reminder of how solid that defense is. Like, They are so, so good. And they have creeped into... The area, I mean, that was a great play. Like, that was a really tight play. She had to make a really good tag, and not only a really good tag, she had to get down quickly and apply that tag to avoid it being an obstruction. She was off the plate. She was giving her the plate, but she was quick. She was efficient, and that's a hard play to make, and she just made it look routine, and I think that's what Oklahoma defense has been doing is they've been making plays that are actually really hard to make, look really routine because they're consistently making them. They're consistently expecting themselves to make them They're And now that opens up the field of, well, I'm making these great plays routinely. What else can I do? How, how else can we get two outs? How can we look ahead to not just that out, but the one after that, where's that next runner? And so I feel like they do such a great job of not only knowing where their play is, because I mean, you grow up and you hear that, but also anticipate where's the next play. And that is where they are so, so good. Well, it's we talk about this a lot with the base running of how if there's an extra base to be had, Oklahoma always takes it. And to like watch that, there are a lot of teams in the country on that play that you're talking about 
that get the out at home and they're just happy to have the out at home. There are a lot of teams in the country that don't immediately pick their head out and throw down to third, get another runner caught in a rundown, throw down to second, and turn that into an inning-ending, momentum-flipping double play. Because Huge. That, that was one of those moments where if you go back to the Baylor dugout, I guarantee you that was like the last gasp. We are not winning this game. We're not yeah. scoring a run. Like I when, mean, because it was a tight game. Yeah. Yeah. And it, OU's defense has been really good all year long. Really, really good all year long. But I feel like we haven't had a moment like that at home yet, at yeah. least in the past couple of months. You've had, like, in that Tech series, Avery Hodge makes a great diving play in the outfield that saves a base or two, which ended up saving a run, potentially, of how that inning played out. But sometimes it's it's harder, like, when Jada Coleman and Riley Boone perfectly judge the ball coming off the wall and it turns what would be a double into just a single those are great defensive plays that I don't feel like sometimes are appreciated. Or in Grace Lions... Because they're, they become routine. Yeah. They're great plays. Any other team doing that, the announcers immediately are like, oh my gosh, you did a great job. Like, that should have been a double. And instead, it's like, ball fielded off the wall. Single. Yeah. Because it is so routine. Well, and and you just become so accustomed to Grace Lions. She doesn't get eaten up at short ever, ever. Um, she turns plays that should just be knock the ball down. You get it fine into outs at first base where she's able to fire that over. She turns plays that should be balls roped into in between her and Alyssa Brito or her in the base. And she dives is able to knock those down. balls that would be doubles for other teams. She's able to knock those down. And even if she doesn't get the out, she just makes a play Yeah. at first. And, and that we've just become so accustomed to that over and over and over again. The same thing with the base running. That was kind of like the last time we we talked. I was like, I hope that everyone can sit back. And if you're lucky enough to be in the stadium, watch every extra base that gets taken. Because that's my favorite thing. It's like all of the little things. It already takes a great game from an opponent to beat Oklahoma. And then OU just stacks more and more things in their favor by taking second when people are worried about what's happening at home by playing a ball perfectly off the wall and instead it's not an out but it's just a single instead of a double things like that and it even boils that's over why, to the pitchers being great fielders too yeah that's why that we were talking and you were saying like the spread between Oklahoma and everybody else has been so large the past few years because you have that spread of oh my gosh they're really good but pitching they've been able to locate and excel there with the tiny little details defensively the tiny little things that makes you feel the ball perfectly off the wall every time and have a good throw that's a little detail the base run so they they do that in every area and so not only are they really talented but they're also really disciplined in the little things and so i think that's why that spread is so much bigger because they're constantly thinking how can i be better how can i improve and then you go into, okay, well, Nicole May, she makes a play where Sabrito dies for a ball. Her and Sophia Nugent kind of get tied up for a second. Nicole May runs and covers third. First of all, heads up, not a ton of pitchers will have the mindset to, once a ball leaves their hand, okay, play's gone. I have to get over to third. She was able to not only get to third, but she tagged, got down on a knee, tagged her, stood up right there. She's like, look, I got it right there. Boom, done. That was a great tag by her and again the heads up to even be there the heads up i have to make this quick i have to sell the tag that's huge so i just applaud them 
on all levels for defense. I mean, they're just well, awesome. And, and you look at it, this makes sense when you think about it for a couple of seconds, but Jordy Ball is an excellent fielder for a pitcher, and that makes a ton of sense, right? Patty Gesso has talked about, as far as athletes go, Jordy Ball is one of the most athletic players she's ever had. We heard about that from the second she came in, the triathlon that that Coach Gasso always runs you guys through. She's like, yeah, Jordy's out in front of that. She might be the strongest person in the gym that I've ever had as far as just fitness goes. So that makes a ton of sense that Jordy Ball will be able to do that. Nicole May, she's really tall. She played third yeah. in travel ball. And Whenever she came in as a freshman, she would take reps at third base. Yeah. She's like, I just want to get some reps. Just uh, just, to, <laughs> just, just to, you know, just feel the ball. And, like, that's what you would do. And, and so, to your point, though, that getting down to play the base, things like that, like, I think sometimes it's, it's and, and Kinsey Hansen, we're talking about pitcher feeling right now, but Kinsey Hansen, her size being a intimidation factor, but also, like, to get down and make that play, that's more space she has to cover to get there. So, like, it's almost like a, because you're taller, when we talk about basketball, football, that's a, at, gives you more range of motion, sure, but it also means that when you're having to make those Close plays at the bag, at the plate. That's so much more ground that they have to cover. And Nicole Low. May does it really well. Jordy Ball does it really well. Alex Duraco's not a bad fielder at the pitcher spot either. Although I think that like Ball is excellent and May's really good too. That they've set themselves apart. It's it's every position on the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Loving loving the defense. Loving not just the defensive pitchers, but also what they're doing in the circle. I mean, just. I love this trio for Oklahoma. They are the reason why Oklahoma is on this win streak right now. Would you take... Hands down. Last question real quick before we hit a break. Hope Troutline was amazing last year. But this step that, that Nicole May has taken this year, would you take this version of May, this version of Ball and Storaco, or would you take the Troutline last year's May, last year's Jordy Ball pre-injury if you're... You have, to, you have to pick one of those trios. I it's know. Tough. tough. I'm going to say this year, just because I feel like Trotwine was in a good place, but she wasn't getting as many innings. Jordy Ball was doing phenomenal, but she was getting majority of the innings. And then Nicole May was more like she was getting innings, but it was more as a closer role. So not that like that was not as good, but I feel like this year it is anybody can start a whole game and i've seen it's not jordy pitching two games in a series and i like that so much more because one jordy's not as tired so she's going to be fresh two both of those pitchers they're going to have those high pressure high intense experiences they're going to have that confidence whenever they go into the world series and i think sometimes that's what may was feeling a little bit of she would come in and and relief for big pressure situations, but she never got to start those games. I feel like Jordy started a lot of them, or even whenever Giselle and Shannon were on the team, it was May would come in to relief a lot. She would be closing a lot, but she never, she didn't get to start as many um, the way that she is this year. Yeah. And so I think that's why I would pick this year's staff. Just don't pitch Nicole against UCLA. That's Nicole Mendez. I'm Ryan Chapman. Natty Goldfish keeping us on air. This is the road to OKC brought to you by Case Associates and Resilient Softball. On the other side, Nicole is going to get mad at me for something I wrote, but she's going to have to walk me through it pertaining to Oklahoma's dominance. Coming up next here on the road to OKC.
Welcome back. This is The Road to OKC, brought to you by Case Associates and Resilient Softball. Ryan Chapman, Nicole Mendez. Her resume is way too long for us to list across this show. Way too long. But you got a bunch of rings, basically. That's the long and short of it is you've got a bunch of rings. And then for the Olympics, it's not like a ring. Like, you don't get like a... I didn't I was, get a medal. <laughs> but, well, but I went. I so was, I got a pin. Where do you count? put all your you've like, got the trophies stamp. and stuff? You've got the passport stamp. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, do you have, do you have a ring case? Is that what it is? What do you What do you got for the Olympics? Well, just for everything that you've won throughout your career. Um. Oh, you gave us a ring case, but I can't fit all my rings in it, so I just <laughs> keep Ooh, them big in the boxes, and then I just have this container. That has all the boxes of all the rings, and <laughs> Wait. I actually brought two of them out Wait. for the spring game. Oh, you gave you a ring box. My senior year, yeah, it can fit three rings. Oh, so they didn't think to like, hey. Well, you, I mean, like whenever they gave the, you won the Big Twelve more than three times. Yeah, but I mean, it was like for the whole team, you know, because right. there were some people that like that was their first ring. Well, technically first two because it was Big 12. Okay. I've got free tip for Oklahoma. You are allowed to have a, this is the transfer division of the ring boxes that has <laughs> enough rings for one or two years. And if, you, if you're if you a four-year letter That winner, is expensive, if Ryan. If you're a four-year, they can pay for it. Have you seen Love's Field? Oh, OU as a university can pay for it. OU softball has a budget. Uh, put it in the budget. Like I'm telling, I'm telling you, there there needs to be enough fundraising that a four year letter winner can get a ring box that can contain all of the rings. So, anyway, earlier on Monday, that's fair. Earlier this week, I put a column up at my other job, All Sooners. Basically, the gist of it was this was supposed to be the year that Oklahoma came back to the pack a little bit in college softball. I was not making the argument that they weren't supposed to win. I picked them to win the national championship at the beginning of the year, but it was not supposed to be as breezy as dominant. Nicole, I know you know these things, but let me just catch up, catch up a few things for the listeners. Oklahoma has one loss Baylor. They've avenged that loss. They've got one more non-conference game left. In the regular season, it's Tulsa, newsflash, OU not losing to Tulsa. So OU did not lose to anyone outside of the Big 12 in the regular season. Oklahoma, the last two seasons, have had to win the Bedlam Series to win the Big 12 championship in the regular season. This year, they do not have to step foot in Stillwater. They can beat Kansas. If they sweep Kansas, the Big 12 is theirs. So in conference, OU is more dominant because teams are better and Oklahoma swept Texas still, swept Baylor still, swept Tech still, all that. You look around the country, two teams that are surging right now, UCLA and Florida State. OU has played both of those teams. OU has beaten both those teams. OU embarrassed UCLA. They've got a ton of familiarity with the Bruins, so there's not anything UCLA can throw at them in the postseason that they haven't seen. Same deal with Florida State. Those two programs know each other really well. Obviously played for it all two years ago, played this year. Lonnie Alameda, the coach, great job. She threw every pitcher that she might want to at Oklahoma in Norman. Oh, you still won. So, who is here to stop Oklahoma? Because it feels like Patty Gasso loaded up a harder non-conference in the last two years. I'm looking. I'm looking at the top ten. So, we have... Oklahoma at one, UCLA at two, Beat them. Oklahoma State at three. Got a series, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. 
Tennessee at four. Haven't touched them yet. Florida State at five. Beat them. Clemson at six. Haven't seen them. Texas at seven. Three wins. Stanford at eight. That's a win. Washington at nine. That's a win. Duke at ten. Oh, they beat them too. Yeah. That's crazy. That's what Oklahoma's done Because you year. said Tennessee, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They have a deep pitching staff. If OU faces Tennessee, I'm Tennessee. Heck yeah, I'm doing all my pitchers. Yeah. Ten- I'm trying to throw you off balance as much as possible, and they have a ton of really, really good pitchers. They're the, they're the one that, I, that I've pointed to because they're uniquely placed of having a bunch of pitchers they believe in that Oklahoma has not seen this year. Right or in the last few years, yeah, because was they, it, they really they really haven't faced the pitchers that Tennessee have, yeah, and so that's the one that's uniquely placed. Otherwise, and can't forget this: Tennessee has two former Sooners on there, yeah. So if they were to play, I mean, they're going to be like, hey, we know some of the stuff that Oklahoma does. And Donahue's having a really good year. Too. She she's having a great year this year. Uh, but so the the overall like main idea was. The but yeah, there's like no Oklahoma's running out of challengers in a year that in a year that they were supposed to. Okay, hear me out. Take though. a step back. I feel like they have just a little bit. I I think that they have too. I don't think just this a little bit. Last I, I I don't want to say take at least a, the way that they're playing right now. I don't want to say take a step back. I want to say people have gotten closer to them because I, I don't feel like. I think that they're. They've regressed in any senses. I just think we've seen they the adjustments. They don't well, have they've now. they've seen it's the adjustments of... that need to be made, and you've seen that response from teams from Baylor. You've seen it from Florida State. You saw it from LSU. Like that's an adjustment that I haven't seen a team do in a very long time against a very good hitting team. And it seems silly. Tech, Texas Tech seems silly, but it works. So, but. What what I mean by I feel like the reason why other teams are I don't think they've caught up at all, but they're getting closer is because the gap was way too big to be closed in one year. That's yeah. just it's way too big. You can get a little bit better, but you're not gonna touch Oklahoma. I feel like offensively that gap has lessened. And I I just think again this is for a couple of reasons. Well, you has not a lot of new people in the lineup, and they have a big leader in their lineup that graduated. Huge leader. Nicole Mendez, two years ago. Jocelyn Allen. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, yes, Jocelyn Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Me. I, I don't even know who Jocelyn Allen is. Who is that girl? But whenever you have that big confidence builder that, that wisdom, if Jossie says we can hit her, we can hit her. You know, like that kind of confidence from somebody in your lineup, whenever that graduates, there's going to be adjustment. But I just think the other teams are making better adjustments pitching-wise than the offense is recently. So, again, I'm not saying that Oklahoma can't hit. They can hit. They can hit really well. They can hit really hard. What I am saying is, I've seen in the last few games, their runs come from home runs. And they don't get a ton else. Unless they're able to make those adjustments. And then you see, that's whenever you see the 17 hits in a game. And that's where, but again, only seven runs. If you have 17 hits, you better have more than seven runs. Yeah. Way too many people left on base. 
So that to me, I think that conversion of runners on base versus runners scored is a lot lower this year than it has been in the past few years. So I think that's where, if we're going to say they've gone down in anything, it's that. It's just getting that execution over. But I think it's just because they've been used to having so many home runs. They're like, oh, yeah, somebody will hit a home run. Like, we'll be fine. Versus we got to get runners on base. Now we got to hit them over. Now we got to score them, that kind of thing. Yeah, Patty Gasso's talked about that in certain spots. Um, after the... I guess it was technically the Friday game. The second game against Texas Tech. That's the one that was offset. So the Friday game against Texas Tech. Um, Patty Gasso had basically expressed some frustration that mentally the team switched off a little bit offensively. That they were wasting at bats, swinging at first pitch stuff, and just having pop-ups, things like that. I would imagine if the lineup was locked in, locked in, Friday's game against Baylor would have been a run rule. Yes, it needed to be. Um, if that team was locked in, locked in, I don't know if you would have got to run rules on either of the Saturday games, but it would have been more than four and more than two as far as the runs coming across. Maybe that first game could have got there. But that all the flip side of that is that when Oklahoma comes out motivated, Texas happens. When Oklahoma comes out motivated, the Friday at Baylor that was one run away from being a run rule happens. And there is room for growth still in this lineup. We talked about it earlier. Sydney Sanders, she has a bit ways to go. I know that Pettigasso says, don't chase last year, don't chase last year. But I just point to last year's. We know that there's evidence of consistent power from Sydney Sanders that we haven't seen yet. We've seen it the last two weekends. We haven't seen it over the long haul. If she can go in and not necessarily hit Get a home run against Kansas, but if she can be productive against Kansas, things like that. I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, last bit here, you mentioned Joss Nalo graduates out. We knew there was no, there's not going to be replacing Joss Nalo. You can't replace that. I think that's why Patty Gasso worked so hard to get that much power from top to bottom. It's kind of almost a, it'll level out replacement a little of bit. the 30 home runs that she lost. Yeah, through like four or five players hitting five four or six or five more. more. Yeah, yeah. Jostin was that person that could step up and say, we can hit this pitcher, right? Who is that person on this team? Because I, I think conventionally someone outside of the dugout, not in the clubhouse, all that would probably say, oh, it's T.R.A. Jennings. She's the leader of the team. From the outside looking in, and please correct me if, if this is wrong, she just seems understated, like not a incredibly vocal rah-rah, we can hit this person. Like That feels more like a... Kinsey Hansen that would come out there and be like, we can hit this person. Come on, let's go. Kinsey Hansen always says that though. So that's why, that's why I I don't know who that is. Cause Tiara, she's just kind of like go about her business. So like, Oh yeah, she's throwing this. She's throwing that. Like it's very simple. Jada Coleman, very passionate, gets a lot of spark going, but I, I just, I don't think she's going to be that person. Um, I don't know, but I feel again because I don't know Haley Lee like that. But I yeah. feel like she gives out that. She energy. might be one of those people where it's like, "This is what she's doing. This is our adjustment. Here we go." Like she just seems like she would be able to say that. I'm going through the lineup, and I'm. And there might not be that again, person, Alyssa Brito. Is- she just strikes me as like a. Very much like a Jada Coleman, like a spark plug. Like she gets things she going. She re- reacts to yeah. To she she happening. gets things going. Like she makes it happen. 
but Jossie was very, because I feel like I was kind of similar in that way of like, I would start something and like things would happen, but I feel like Jossie was very much, hey, let's settle down. And she would calm the team down. She would lay out a plan of approach and everybody listened and everybody felt like they could just because Jossie said that they could. Now she wouldn't have to say, she wouldn't say it every game because right. she didn't need to. But whenever she needed to, she would say it and everybody would listen. So I just, I don't know who that is on this team. And again, like some people step into that role. Jossie didn't say that freshman year. Right. By senior year, she did. And so maybe there's a player or two, but I I don't know why. I'm just thinking Haley Lee. Well, I, the Haley Lee point's interesting because, and I know we're up against it, so I'll be quick. Um Patty Gasso, she had labeled Haley Lee as maybe the most comfortable athlete that she's ever recruited and, and been around as far as comfortable in herself. And I remember thinking back to the half inning going from top of the seventh to bottom of the seventh against Texas game three, where Oklahoma's down a couple runs and music's playing always. And there's always a little bit of hanging loose little dancing outside the dugout. You know, that that's just the personality of, of the teams the past couple of years. Very, very easy going. It feels like don't let the moment get too big, that type of thing. But everyone was locked in except for one person, Haley Lee. She was <laughs> locked into She was dancing around. She was doing her thing. She was smiling. And I, I very clearly saw her as she's going back to the dugout, just like this nod. And I couldn't see what she was saying. But the the energy she was giving off was like a once the music was done, it was get back to the dugout. Just like we got this, we got this, we're good, we got this. That that, that was the vibe she was giving off. A very calm, confident. Energy. And then yeah, you immediately saw Riley Boone get on base. You immediately saw Jada Coleman hit her home run. And then it it was just a matter of like Oakland was winning that game. They're winning in that inning, and it just took loading the bases up as opposed to one or two more people. So I. That's why Haley might be a good shout for that person. I don't, I don't know. That's just... I don't know either, but that, that would be my guess because, again, I would say Brito, Coleman, Riley Boone, their spark plugs, Terry Jennings, so consistent, so steady Eddie, Grace Lines, I, not as much this year, but I would just say like the energy steady Eddie. Um, Sid Sanders just kind of been up and down. Who else is in the lineup? Alina Torres kind of up and down. She'll, she'll get some good hits in, but... She's kind of the one that pops out in my head. Kenzie Hansen, she's she's very confident and she's very vocal about it all the time. And I feel like because it's I mean, not that it's good or bad, but just the timing, you don't need to say it all the time. So whenever somebody who doesn't say it all the time says it, it just means a little bit more. Hits different. Yeah, it just hits a little bit different. So Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting to track as there are more and more pressure situations. We'll have a fun, fun bedlam series. Next weekend, all that stuff. That's Nicole Mendez. I'm Ryan Chapman. This is the Road to OKC, brought to you by Case Associates and Resilient Softball. On the other side, what has happened in Stillwater? Why can't they hit the ball? Next. minutes left here of the road to OKC brought to you as always by Kate's Associates and Resilient Softball. Shout out to both of them for sponsoring the show. We appreciate out. that. Brian Chapman alongside Miss Trophy Case herself, Nicole <laughs> Mendez. I've got so many rings I can't fit them in my ring box. Listen, That's actually that a pretty was good not nickname. Meant to be a flex. No, it 
I know. It would have come off worse if it was supposed to be a flex, but just like the innocent, like, <laughs> well, I got a ring box, but it doesn't fit every single one of them was like perfect. I actually, I didn't realize this, but uh, I went to the spring game this past weekend. Yeah. And Taylor Snow was in town. And Neeners. To, Neeners. To Neeners. Neener Wieners was in town. And I'm sure she loves that. She hates that one. I introduced her one time to Jeremiah Hall and she goes, tell them my name is Taylor. They're all going to think I'm weird. But... Wait, you're just if you're a softball player, everyone just thinks that I'm kidding. I know I'm kidding. it's the Neeners, like it's I'm a kidding. nickname. But um, she's like, "Hey, you gonna wear your rings? I brought mine." And I was like, "Oh, didn't even think about that." So I got them out. I just I put I put the most recent one on, and then I was like, mm, "Which one's cute and small? I don't like the big ones because they're just I don't like them. They're clunky. They're clunky and ugly." But not think, ugly, but like I feel like they're more for like the social media post where yeah. it's like, look at how big this ring is. They're not is. practical. So yeah. I put on one that's my favorite. And I'm going around and everyone's like, Oh, look at your rings. And I show them. This is long winded, I'm wrapping it up. And then I'm like looking and I realize yeah, Matt over there is giving you the wrap this up. I know, I know. I realize that the ring that I was wearing on my left hand was from the two thousand seventeen Big Twelve tournament. And the ring that I was wearing on my right hand was from the 2021 National Championship. So unconsciously, I got my first and last ring. Look I got, at you go. I was like, how cute is that? The, I didn't the even plan it. You, yeah, it was just showing through. Poetic. Just showing through. It has through. nothing to do with the ring box, but I just, I had we, that little thought. We get it. You have so many of them. You have so many to choose from. <sighs> I just got to choose one that goes with the outfit. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Speaking of rings, speaking of the Big 12 tournament, last year's Big 12 tournament champion, the Oklahoma State Cowgirls, are slumping right now, Nicole. Um, a couple of, they, they have struggled in the midweek pretty much all year long. There was uh, a game against Central Arkansas, which Central Arkansas is nothing to sneeze at, but it was a tight game. There was a game against Tulsa that was a tight game. They lost a game to Wichita State up at Wichita State. They came back and got beat by Wichita State in Stillwater. Three games against Iowa State two weekends ago where they won game one pretty comfortably, though it wasn't like an offensive explosion. It was a fine game. Game two was like pulling teeth for Oklahoma State to have any run production. Game three, they just flat out lost to an Iowa State team that is... I told improved. you. I told you. But Iowa you, State is sneaky. When you improve, I also from being told like, you Kansas looks better, and you're like, mur, 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 well, Kansas and beat Texas. Kansas beat Texas. Thank I, you. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, sorry, that's more of an indictment on Oklahoma State and Texas. I had to lick that slip in there. Okay. okay. No, it's fine. They're still in with the hundreds in RPI, both of them, which is an improvement. You <laughs> Ryan, know you're, you're, you know what? You know what? Give it, me this, Ryan. It is an improvement. They are both better than they were in years past. <laughs> they beat. They beat two teams in the top 10 yes yes they did um i would also say that it's not hard to be better when you're like a ryan ryan we're moving on conversation for something else (laughs) we're talking about the cowgirls right now the cowgirls ryan it's just a slump right it we've seen the talent in this lineup it's just a slump oh they're so good but it's a slump happening at the wrong time but don't they normally like they kind of they're slow to start and they heat up and I just, I feel like, not that they weren't doing good, not that they don't normally do good before they play Bedlam, but I feel like the week leading up to Bedlam, they're just on a whole nother level. For them, that's 
I think for Oklahoma too, Bedlam is really the start of postseason. Yeah. Like that's that's the energy that that series brings. And I think it just gets them locked in in a whole different way. They don't normally have this many losses. Well, the, here's, but I think they can get out of this leading up to OU because it's, all right, maybe we won't get the Big 12, but we are going to get the most wins against OU. Like, that that's the kind of mindset that they're going to have. They're going to come in. We're really good. We're going to be get these games because we're going to face them again in the World Series. We're going to face them again in the championship. Like, that's going to be how they're thinking. So I think they're going to rise. And and two, once they get to the Big 12 tournament, there will be almost a wiping of the slate if you can go out there and defend your tournament title, right? So Absolutely. That, that'll help. And and this is why this conversation is really perplexing and confusing for me with the Cowgirls because they do typically have a slump. It's usually in the that first third of the season, somewhere in there coming out of it, then they really kind of hit their stride by the time of conference play. Do they drop a game somewhere? Yeah. Like that Iowa State game has happened the last two or three years where they drop one of those games. I haven't seen them go to a place not named Norman America. Norman America. <laughs> and get swept. And, and Oklahoma State, they could not score against Texas. It's a good Texas pitching staff. It's not a elite, oh my gosh, how are you going to score runs against this group? And I, for me, the more concerning thing is did Oklahoma State graduate some key leaders? Yes. But they still have veteran players. That's a Texas team that's really, really young. And if you're telling me that the results were flipped, I would say that's a young Texas team taking their lumps. They're going to be better for this figuring that out. For the Cowgirl, it, it just becomes a how long does this slump last? And then Kenny Gajewski yesterday in his midweek, the message was two words. Don't panic. Red flag, sirens, I'm hitting the panic button. If, wee -woo, wee -woo. if that's the message, if don't panic is the message, I'm worried that it is too close to postseason to get this thing back on track. Okay, two things. One, Texas and Oklahoma State. That is a rematch of a game that Oklahoma State should have won to get to the national championship, choked, and lost. So they're feeling all kinds of way. Past few years, Oklahoma State has kind of changed their approach to their style as a team. I would say Pat, beyond like four years and before, they played very scrappy, very much with a chip on their shoulder, very angry, very emotional, um, and not emotional and not in a passionate way, emotional and I let my emotions get the best of me and it clouds my judgment kind of way. And I feel like the past few years, they every year they've gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. I think that they, it is hard. It is hard to live in that area of experience. It's hard to live in that area of expectation. It's not an easy place to live. And every team has to learn how to live there. I mean, I think about UCLA, my freshman year, they're in the World Series. They were bad. They were two and out, and everybody was like, yeah, they're not good. And it was hard for them to live there. I mean, they had been there before, obviously, a couple years before, but it, it, they had a little bit of a lull. They had to figure it out, and then they're, they're back, right? They're really good now, but they have to learn how to live there. And I think Oklahoma State, they're just having to learn how to live there. And whenever you play a team like Texas, there's a lot of that emotion, 
last year, whenever they played Wichita State, they lost. Again, a lot of emotion. We have to make a wrong right. We, we have to get this win. And I feel like their verbiage is don't. There's a lot of don'ts in it. Have to's, must, we, ha- we should, those kinds of things instead of verbiage that's affirming who they are as a team because they're a really good team. I just think their verbiage and their messages are a little emotional to the point where it clouds their judgment. Well, and we've seen you go 2021 Big 12 tournament. There's the blow up on the base paths where it was almost a fight. It's as close to a bench clearing brawl I've ever seen in softball. Um, you go to 2022. You got my, the rivalry going on. Yeah. Just forget the Red River. You got yeah. Uh, <laughs> 20 the, the battle for second place is heated up. Uh, 2022. <laughs> Mike White from the top shelf of the dugout says, "Ryan, one you just bird, love these clips. One bird and two birds to you, uh, Madam Third Base Umpire." So like. <laughs> One of those was like last year's. Your was, favorite coach. He's awesome. <laughs> he's so much fun. Uh, that was not like an OSU thing. That was a Mike White's mad at the umpires. That was just Mike game. White period game. Yeah, it's just an emotional game. But again, my my concern would be yes, Oklahoma State Texas had an emotional semifinal matchup last year, and Texas graduated their veterans that were part of that leadership group last year. A younger core, a very young team still, which I think is why it's really impressive how Texas has regrouped since the OU Texas series. Their core, I I think Texas is a better team this year than they were last year. Last year, they were average. But without that leadership, they took it to Oklahoma State. I I think that for me is the concerning thing is that you, that it should be Oklahoma State's the veteran team. They should be able to handle that. And they didn't. Yeah. While they're slumping. And, and yeah. that's my concern. And they've only got two weeks to get it sorted, pretty yeah. much. Three if you want to go to the Big 12 tournament. But they're, if they word it like that to themselves, as they, we only have two weeks, like that automatically, like I'm feeling pressure for them. They're going to have to change that stance, change that word, change their approach. I think they're good enough to where they can flip it, but they're going to have to change what words they're using in their locker room because it's obvious to everybody. They physically, like, they're good. It's just whatever's going on up here in their head, that's that's where that disconnect's happening, whether it's not locked in, whether it's not being able to make communication with each other consistently, whether it's feeling the pressure, whatever it is, you can tell that it's more... More mental than it is physical. It's just been weird. They've been a top three team all year long outside of the past two and a half weeks, really. And, the, and then the the hitting has just kind of fallen off a cliff, which yeah. shout out to Maxwell, Acock, and Kilfoyle for continuing to pitch at a really elite level while they haven't had the run support. Real quick, elsewhere across the country, I'm going to throw three things at you. You tell me what you want to dive into. Uh, we have a couple of upsets that have happened here recently. Uh, actually, I'm going to throw four things at you. Sorry, I lied. Uh, Liberty over Alabama. Woo! McNeese over LSU, some midweek LSU upset or uh, SEC upsets, and then back this past weekend, Florida State really handled business in an impressive way. Their offense is soaring in a way that it hasn't yet this it's year. Postseason like double, like time, double digit it's run, coming. And then you had we talked about Tennessee earlier, a really really special comeback against Florida where they were down by five runs headed into the fifth inning and they come out on top. Of those four. <laughs> Which? What do you think is the most important thing heading into postseason? Is it? Can the, I pick two? Yeah. 
Okay, one. Really, you can do whatever you want. One, let's start off where we ended. Florida State, or not, sorry, Tennessee and Florida. Yes, great comeback win. Florida's not good. If you're down by five runs against Florida, that's a concern. Great job by pulling out that win, but you're that good that you should be able to do it. Why are you down five runs in the first place, especially whenever you have the pitching staff? So we're talking about this already, the pitching staff that you do. So I think that's something to keep an eye out on for Tennessee is there's been a couple of series where they'll win the series, but one game they lose, one game they win, and one game they win, but it's like, ah, like the whole time you're like, who is this team? They look totally different. The A&M series. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one of those. I think of, it's just, you you just want to see a little bit more from them. So I'm really curious to see what they look like as the SEC tournament, as their regional, super regional, maybe World Series. We'll see how that kind of goes. So I would keep my eye on Tennessee. Um, Alabama. I want to see them 18, 19, 20 ranked. I just, I, they've lost so many times against teams that, not that they're not good teams. It's just that they're average teams. And they've done it consistently all year. Oklahoma State, they've lost, they've lost several games recently against good teams, not yeah. bad teams, good teams. And Iowa State. They fell from two to seven. And this is just recently. All year long, Alabama has been dropping games and they're still at 13. No way. No way. They need to be 18 or 19. If they get to the point where they get to host a regional, we might see the same thing that we saw last year. We really might because I, I just, I don't. Send Wichita State to that regional. Yeah. Send Wichita State to that regional and they're finally going to get. Their World Series. I want to see Wichita State in the World Series. Wichita State in the World Series would be fun. That would be so fun. I think their fan base would come down and show out. They do a good job. Real quick, we're running out of time rapidly, but the Sooners have three games against the Kansas Jayhawks. If Oklahoma wins all three, they will outright win the Big 12 regular season title. They don't have to share it with anybody um, without even heading to Stillwater. Does Oklahoma sweep this thing and get this thing done? Yes. Okay. Period, poo. Easy as that. Still tune in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can listen to all those games here on the franchise. ESPN Plus, I think, has them all. But uh, it should be a pretty special weekend because it is senior weekend, so celebrating Grace Lyons, Grace Green, Haley Lee, Alex Duraco, as well as the potential on the line that, that Oklahoma could be celebrating by Sunday. Uh, they could have two postgame celebrations. First off, senior day, and secondly, Big 12 uh, title celebration. That would be huge, and I just think that, I mean, if you want to watch an OU game, that's the one to go out and watch. I mean, what a jam-packed weekend, lots of sentimental value, lots of leadership that you're going to see, lots of new faces that have come in and done a fantastic job, so it's a good one to do. I am going to be calling... To the games on the franchise and one oh, on ESPN+. Plus. That That's really fun for you until you realize that means you have to sit by me for the two radio games. Oh, gosh. Is tough. it too late to tell them I don't want to do it? Nope, you're locked in. Sorry. All tough, right, tough, I'm tough, locked tough. in. So listen for Nicole Mendez this weekend. It should be a really good weekend. The last regular season weekend out at Marita Hines. But 
it was pointed out to me today, we have officially reached the point of the season where Oklahoma will play three games in Norman this weekend. They'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Tuesday. They'll be in Stillwater, Oklahoma for their three games against the Cowgirls. And then they'll be OKC, Norman, Norman, OKC for the rest of the way. They are no longer leaving there the Sooner State. They are in Oklahoma's. They Oklahoma. are no longer leaving the Sooner State. We have hit that time. Unfortunately, we're out of time, though. Thank you, as always, to Nicole Mendez. Huge big ups to Maddie Goldfish, Matt Branson. Happy to have you back, my friend. I'm Ryan Chapman. This has been The Road to OKC, brought to you by Case Associates and Resilient Softball. We will talk to you next Wednesday. Have a good one.